we have Mr. Carl Tobin. Very excited to hear from, uh, from Carl. He is a great adventurer. You might read about him in National Geographic and uh, see a lot of the crazy things he's done. And everybody, please make welcome Carl. Well, thank you very much. Uh, sweet stories going on here. Um, yeah, Matt talked me up pretty big, but I'm, I'm really not a, um, I'm not a real pioneer or anything, and certainly never been a homesteader, and more of a self-stopper, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I'm not going to tell a story about myself. I'm, I'm kind of going to come into it every once in a while. It's a story about uh, one of the many people I've met in my life that really are self-starters and really are pioneers. And this is about uh, a friend of mine named uh, Doug Buchanan, uh, who um, I knew in Fairbanks. Uh, Doug and I, uh, we, we shared some connections. Uh, Doug picked me up hitchhiking once in December, and uh, that was our connection. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, about a week or two later, uh, Doug and I and two other people were getting into an airplane uh, on Christmas Eve, and we flew into uh, Mount Drum, which some of you probably saw. It's a big uh, Alaskan mountain in the Copper Valley there, and and we flew in there, and uh, uh, you know it was it was dark when we landed, and dark for the next uh, I don't know ten days or something, and uh, it was cold, and we went over the mountain, skied out to the road, and it was a great adventure, you know, and, and uh, that was my connection with Doug. We were both uh, climbers, but different types of climbers, and, and Doug, Doug was, uh, you know, this is very innovative and self-starting and pioneering on his part. He was a winter mountaineer. I don't mean someone that got a weird idea that wouldn't it be cool to climb McGinley in the winter. No, someone who was a winter mountaineer. It was like a November and December and January and, and, and the balmy, balmy month of February. <laughs> Th those were, that was Doug's climbing season. It was just like the way he was. He wasn't trying to make a statement. Uh, actually, he didn't make statements about his climbing. No published articles, you know, maybe it says Ignatz if it, uh, you know, if it has, if that's a reference to Doug in some literature. But, uh, you know, uh, no one's ever heard of him probably uh, through his, his climbing unless you lived in Fairbanks and heard all the rumors about all the wild, crazy stuff. You know, summers were for something else uh, and springs. They were for carving ornate alley pipes and uh, uh, running the National Rifle Association. He was on the board. What do you think of that? You know, and, and all of these things, you know, ex-Vietnam vet, uh, two tours of duty in Vietnam, uh, officer, helicopter pilot. You know, that was Doug, but I, I knew him through climbing. And, and really, uh, the most innovative pioneering thing he did was start a climbing club called the Alaskan Alpine Club. Not the Alaska Alpine Club, but the Alaskan Alpine Club, which Doug started in uh, really a reaction to the Park Service's sort of expanding muscle from a climber's point of view in Alaska. You know, they, all of a sudden, uh, the Wrangell St. Elias, that great range, was in a national park. What are we going to do? You know, uh, essentially, uh, McKinley National Park was expanded and became Denali National Park, and there were peak fees and, and rangers staring at you and stuff like that. And uh, so, so Doug wanted to sort of protect climbers' rights with this club. It wasn't a club to talk about climbing and things like that. It was to protect climbers' rights. And if you get on uh, the web, go to alaskanalpineclub.org or .com. I can't remember. I just clicked the Google link. And uh, it, you know, it has the bylaws there. The first bylaw out of about eight says, to be a member, all you have to do is say you're a member. You know? <laughs> let's try it out there all right, real quick. I'm a member of the Alaskan Alpine Club. So let's hear it. Sweet. We just two or three hundred more members, you know, uh, and so 
and look, look, here's a pin right here, Alaskan Alpine Club pin, you know, and if, uh, you know, you can apply for climbing grants or they had a publication, there's a museum in Fairbanks that Doug put together. In other words, Doug was the club, okay? So may, maybe this is the story uh, of the Alaskan Alpine Club and not Doug, because the story of the Alaskan Alpine Club is all about Doug, but Doug's story is much broader than that. I'm telling you a small part of it. One thing the Alaskan Alpine Club did, <laughs> Doug did, was, was get it accepted to membership in the UIAA. Now, if you go to AMH or REI and buy a rope, on there, there's a sticker on the end that says UIAA approved. If you want to be an international climbing guide, you get certified by the UIAA. If the president of Sweden wants to ask someone about climbing regulations and this, that in their country, they go to the UIAA for advice. So essentially, you know, Doug, Doug was like, he'd walk in these international meetings in Budapest and Sapporo and everything, and he would stomp for climbers' rights and form consortiums of observer clubs that weren't members of the UIAA. France has only one member, by the way. United States has, United States has another club in it. It's the American Alpine Club. And, and Doug, you know, remembers the UIA. You know, it's like Yasser Arafat walking into the United Nations, pretty much, you know, but, but more severe. More severe. And so Doug would go to all these meetings and, and, and was so focused on climbers' rights, and you know, they just wanted to talk about ropes and guides and stuff. He pissed them off like royally, you know, flying over there. And Doug, Doug was a laborer. You know, he worked out of the laborers' hall in Fairbanks just to let you know he was not an independently wealthy person. Unless Doug Buchanan really does stand for DB. He came from Yakima, and I'm thinking maybe he got some money from that thing. But anyway, uh, different story. And uh, so, so what happened with the IAA is, is essentially was uh, amazing. Doug asked me to attend a board meeting for them. I was living in Flagstaff. He called me up, go to the board meeting. It's at the Lowell Observatory. I show up. The president of Grand Poobah, the UIAA, the Swiss dude, wasn't even going to let me in. He goes, it's not because of you. No, no, it's because of that man. <laughs> and I knew he was speaking to Doug, but I did get in there, I recorded the meeting and surreptitiously gave him a little tape to Doug so that he could look for, for strange facts at the UIAA board, board meeting. But really, you know, it's nice to hear that end alarm there, uh, but this story really doesn't have an end, okay? There's no end to this story, but, but you know, a good story may have a good denouement, you know? And the denouement of this story is if you want to know more about Doug and learn more about his story, go up to Fairbanks on the 19th of May. We're having a wake for him there, and it's going to be rocking at the Mushers Hall, 7 p.m. Cheers.